Welcome to Pass It On with CWR Talent. I'm Corinne Wintersay, and this is my podcast. At CWR Talent, we've dedicated this podcast to aspiring leaders and sharing the experiences of some of the most successful executives in my network. And it's not always the ones at the top. We'll speak to leaders of all styles and hear valuable advice on how to build a rewarding and meaningful career with resilience, tenacity, and balance. For those of you who know me, I've had the pleasure to work with and guide hundreds of the most gifted business leaders over the last 30 years in the hospitality and entertainment industries. My specialty, discover talent and pass it on. That's it. In simpler terms, I'm a headhunter with a twist. Join me and my very special guests for in-depth Q&A interviews covering our industry's challenges and the current market for talent. This is CWR and let's pass it on. Welcome, I'm CWR, and in one of my reading binges, I came across another super pertinent article from a few years ago about the art of the elevator pitch by Carmine Gallo for the Harvard Business Review. He was listed as a Harvard University instructor in the Department of Executive Education at the Graduate School of Design. It's a worthy article to revisit as the times may have changed, but the name of the game is still the same. Let's make a deal. In covering this subject, we're forever looking for ways to communicate our ideas and business plans in a more efficient and memorable way. I'd like to address the idea of how business leaders can present their main vision in a more engaging and impactful way, like they do in the film industry. The principles are the same, in my humble opinion. Let's break it down. Gallo explains that long before your favorite movie made it to a theater near you, it was presented in a pitch meeting. Hollywood screenwriters typically get three to five minutes to propose an idea, but it takes only around 45 seconds for producers to know if they want to invest. Specifically, producers are listening for a logline, one or two sentences that explain what the movie's about. If there's no logline, more often than not, there is no sale. A winning pitch starts with a winning logline, a valuable lesson for innovators in any field. The most valuable innovations offer novel solutions to challenging problems. But without the support of investors, even the best ideas might never get off the ground. To influence the people who can turn your idea into a reality, you need to deliver your pitch in an exciting and straightforward way. All this starts with the logline, an art that screenwriters have mastered. When asked what their movie is about, Successful screenwriters have a ready answer that is clear, concise, and engaging. Business leaders are asked a version of this same question throughout their careers. What is your presentation about? What does your startup or product do? What's your idea? And what will you deliver? If you can answer in one compelling sentence, you can hook your audience. Gallo cited research done according to molecular biologist John Medina of the University of Washington School of Medicine. The human brain craves meaning before details. When a listener doesn't understand the overarching idea being presented in a pitch, they have a hard time digesting the rest of the information. A logline will help you paint the big picture for your audience. In Hollywood cinema, one of the greatest loglines of all times belongs to the iconic thriller that kept kids out of the ocean during the summer of 1975. 
A police chief with a phobia for open water battles a gigantic shark with an appetite for swimmers and boat captains, in spite of a greedy town council who demands that the beach stay open. What makes this work? The logline for Jaws identifies the key elements of the story, the hero, his weakness, his conflict, and the hurdles he must overcome, all in one sentence. It depicts the overarching storyline in an interesting and straightforward way, rather than focusing on details that might seem meaningless without the context of the bigger picture. Business leaders can use loglines in a similar manner to clearly explain a complex idea. If mastered, this can be a really powerful and influential tool. But communicating your point in a simple, digestible way is hard. It's actually easier to add clutter to business presentations than it is to eliminate unnecessary details and condense. Though mastering the logline is challenging, there are steps you can take to do it. Keep it short. Gallo cites another interesting quote from the book Leading by venture capitalist investor Michael Moritz. It tells the story of two Stanford graduate students who walked into his office at Sequoia Capital and delivered the most concise business plan he'd ever heard. Sergey Brin and Larry Page told Moritz, Google organizes the world's information and makes it universally accessible. In 10 words, that logline led to Google's first major round of funding and said the pitch was clear and had a sense of purpose. A logline should be easy to say and easy to remember. As an exercise, challenge yourself to keep it under 140 characters, short enough to post on the old version of Twitter. Identify one thing you want your audience to remember. Steve Jobs was a genius at identifying the one thing he wanted us to remember about a new product. In 2001, it was that original iPod allowed you to carry a thousand songs in your pocket. In 2008, it was the MacBook Air, was the world's thinnest notebook. Apple still uses this strategy today. Executives repeat a one-sentence description when presenting products. This same logline goes on to appear on the Apple website and in the company press releases. The one thing that should cater to the needs of the audience. Like with CWR Talent's core business of talent discovery and development, we discover and develop talent and pass it on within the hospitality industry's finest organizations. It's that simple. I love a logline when it gets to the point. A sales professional for a large tech company recently told me that a logline that he uses to address the needs of his audience, who are IT buyers, he says, our product will reduce your company's cell phone bill by 80%. With one sentence, his customers want to know more because his logline solves a specific problem that will make them look like heroes to their bosses. Above all, the logline is easy to remember, gives people a story they can take to other decision makers in their organizations. Make sure your team's on the same page. Every person who speaks on behalf of your company or sells your product should deliver the same logline. The author suggests that before going into the nitty-gritty financial details of your presentation, each person should deliver the same logline at the beginning of the presentation and then end the presentation by repeating it once more. As a group, they decided on the logline, in the coming decade, Flash will be bigger than you think. The logline was meant to stir up excitement for all the products 
flash memory would enable, like iPads, laptops, smartphones, and cloud services. As the conference concluded, the first financial blog post that appeared carried the headline, Flash will be bigger than you think. And my most favorable logline of all of that was presented on a monster stage in Berlin at the International Hotel Investment Conference some years ago by my mentor and friend, Tony Potter, when the discussion was about big bed machine chains of hotels versus the small bespoke selective groups. At that time, he was CEO of Corinthia Hotels and Resorts and as the only leader on the stage representing the smaller luxury hotel groups. Tony came up to the podium when it was his turn to speak with a monster slide projected behind him in letters 10 feet high. Size matters. 2,000 people in that room today roared with laughter and it was a genius move. Log lines attract attention. Consistent log lines are memorable and repeatable. Ta-da! If you can't communicate your pitch in one short sentence, don't give up. Sometimes the language will come to you immediately. Other times it might take more practice. Be patient. Once you master the log line, you will be able to easily clarify your ideas and help the audience retain, remember, and act on them. To help us dig deeper into these principles of the elevator pitch, I'd like to welcome back to Pass It On my guest, Helen Van Vengen. Helen Van Vengen is a based in Amman, Jordan, and is a social enterprise entrepreneur, a brand concept design expert with a business development focus, and knows all about the elevator pitch. Her background and expertise in business development within five-star hotels, such as Fairmont, Anantara, Intercontinental, etc., have helped her form her understanding of communication and the art of the great elevator pitch. She's also an author and can tell us about how the principles of the Hollywood elevator pitch mirrors those of our hospitality and entertainment business world. Welcome back, Helen. It's a real pleasure to be able to catch up with you about the art of the elevator pitch. Uh, thank you, Corinne, for having inviting me back. I always look forward to Sundays, actually, these days. Thank you for making them even more fun days. And I, I enjoy the insights and angles that and uh, you get us to ponder every Sunday. Thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. I'd like to kick off our discussion about this topic. It seems to me that the essence of an elevator pitch is a, a minimalist, but a complete statement that is designed to intrigue, uh, give an entire concept, direction, and purpose. I fully agree with that. I would also say that with everything you've said, it also must be short and sweet and get to the point and really cut to the chase. And that point is the point that the audience would like to hear. Like everything in, that we do in business, the only way to really start is with your audience in mind. And that is the same with the pitch. So we really need to know what is the client looking for? Are we speaking to an investor or perhaps a future employer or a publisher in my case, because I'm also an author or a business mm -hmm. owner? And, and really think about what are they looking for to, to contract your services for. And whatever we do, as I said, we, also, we must always do that with the end in mind. So an elevator pitch has to have a consistent character or DNA. But in my opinion, the pitch should also allow for difference in packaging and delivery, depending on who you're pitching to. So really a tailored delivery 
Mm, it's important mm. to know what your audience's hot button is and, and what they're looking for. And um, actually, if I recall working for, for a global hotel chain in there, what they called the HOM team, which was the hotel opening management team. And many a time, the assumption was that the hotel owner was just looking for returns, you know, return on investment. But actually, in some cases, we came across some owners who really were concerned about their legacy. If the pitch, therefore, was all about ROI rather than personal motivation, we would not have been aligned with the client's angle. So that's really important from my perspective to, to know your audience and then refine your pitch. So what problem or challenge does the party that you're pitching to have and, and how can you solve those? So really, if you can resonate with your audience and hit the mark and touch the soul or hit a chord, then you've opened the door and then you're in a position to elaborate, build an appetite for collaboration and so on. So once the door is open, you've got the space and the time and the opportunity to move forward. Uh, if you can hook your audience, they will invite you in and, and they hopefully will want more. Well, although you've always been a highly creative person, in my view, Helen, I believe you actually learned the value of great elevator pitch in your beginnings of your career in luxury hotel sales and marketing. How did you find that your expertise in business development and closing deals helped you prepare your pitches in the social enterprise world? A pitch is a pitch after all. Thanks, Corinne. Um, I, I guess I do have a creative mind, but also a critical one. And the elevator pitch as a term does not resonate with me. Oh, that's interesting. What, what would you choose as the right term? I just think an elevator pitch sounds so mechanical as if you're trying to get in as many, as many words as you can <laughs> to impress somebody before you get to the 17th floor. It feels a bit rushed and robotic to me. And I may use the term nutshell proposition to highlight the crux of what we do. After all, a nut contains a full concept of the intended proposition. Essentially, a nutshell proposition is the kernel, the very crux of the, the seed of the idea. And, and from my perspective, a nutshell proposition holds all the DNA and the potential of the idea. And all you need to do is get the kernel sorry, into fertile ground. So the aim is to get the audience to buy into your core proposition. And if your audience understands the potential of your nutshell proposition, they may wish to seed it and grow the idea. Oh, I like that. <laughs> As part of the House of Social Enterprise business focus this year, which is the company um, which I'm CEO for, we recently pitched to the Ministry of Culture in Saudi Arabia. And entertainment and film have not really seen the light of day there until recent changes when, when the reforms were introduced. And so for us, it was important to understand why the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia was looking to develop that particular sector, that industry, and rather than make assumptions, because then we would not align with their needs. So one of the important angles for um, Saudi Arabia is to position themselves differently. And they are looking to use film as an opportunity to manage a new image for the region, for their, for their country which we all know has been closed and questions and perhaps mistrusted by so many for so long. That I can imagine that could be quite a challenge. It, it is, absolutely. And what, like with any pitch, you really need to understand your client before you pitch. And in the case of Saudi, um, we therefore, of course, I mean, you do your research. One of the key indicators is the um, Vision 2030, which really says it all. 
And so Saudi Vision 2030 is a strategic framework to reduce Saudi Arabia's dependence on oil, diversify its economy and develop public service sectors such as health, education, infrastructure, recreation and tourism. So House of Social Enterprise then looks at how can we respond to that as an organization and how can we add value to support this vision? And what solution thinking can we offer in a new era and what is KSA looking to achieve? And one of the pillars of focus under House of Social Enterprise is film and literary development as well as tourism. And we focus on those pillars in this instance. So how we try to frame the presentation um, was, about, was around sculpting initiative and ventures through the lens of film for KSA. So for example, one of the angles was to enhance entrepreneurship through film, mm -hmm. give writers and women a voice, Mm -hmm. as well as promote the landscape and the cultural sites and tourism spots. And that would then lead to uh, increased PR and tourism, economic resilience, and also a new perception and world image of, of Saudi. So distilling all that into our net nutshell proposition is working in partnership to put the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia on the international tourism and cultural map through the lens of film resulting in economic resilience. That was our op opening proposition, after which we were invited to elaborate in broader terms. So only if your client has a need which you're able to fill, do you have a business. And only if you pitch in a way that resonates, will you be able to get an audience. What would you say, Helen, is absolutely essential for that pitch to sell and get picked up? absolutely essential to know your client, to understand their style, their needs, where they're coming from, their cultural context, and then to sculpt your solution or your pitch accordingly uh, through a partnership approach in, in the long run, really, rather than a, than a hit and run. What are some of your most favorite log lines of all time and, and what sold you about it and made it memorable? Well, my long experience in the hospitality industry, I think a winning line uh, was and and is um, Ritz-Carlton's ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. I, I really love that one. I think it says it all. And if you think about it in, in slightly deeper terms, I, I was wondering actually, could they abbreviate ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen to simply serving ladies and gentlemen? Um, but there's a real ring to the first one. So some, some of the words used in that particular sentence, purposefully, obviously, because it's sculpted carefully, have multiple reasons. So for the, the ladies and gentlemen, the, the clients who are being served by ladies and gentlemen, the associates, is the most obvious interpretation. But serving also includes supporting, growing, developing, having the best intent, respecting standards, going beyond for the right reasons, it's strong, it includes pride. And being a lady or a gentleman is not a perceived status, it's not, it's not status dependent, it's, it's principle driven. And I love, I love that, that line. There's another one actually that I also am, am very keen on, which is si como no, which is yes, why not in Spanish. Um, my, my favorite eco-hotel in Costa Rica, which is also featured in my last book, Forever Connected, which is part of my recently completed women fiction trilogy, is, mm -hmm. uh, is one of my favorite log lines. So, si como no, 
I find inspiring because it's creative and inviting. For the guests, it means they can answer for anything. And the answer is, yes, why not? Si, como no. And for the staff, you know, they can go the extra mile or they can give their creative contributions because they feel safe and there is a, there's an embedded possibility and positivity about that particular log line. And I love the potential of that powerful and memorable three-word wonder, and I will never forget it. And, and finally, uh, you know, one of the log lines that I really love is, is CWR's talent, pass it on which for me is another three-word memorable logline that really says it all. It's memorable for all the right reasons and sentiments, but I think, see, this particular line is so clever because it's catchy, but it also inspires action, which not many of the other loglines do. And so I love that about Pass It On. I think you really landed a logline of huge impact, Rin, for a great initiative that certainly hugely resonates with me and many people I know. It's the eternal succession plan. We must all pass it on to those who will need next what, you know, this is what we're here for. And and in which other arenas do you think is the elevator pitch the most effective way to convince others? Uh, one of my main activities is driving the development of the House of Social Enterprise in Amsterdam. And this is a, a wonderful collective hub of affiliate partners joined really to together achieve uh, a common objective really to uh, of a one-stop shop for entrepreneurial and innovative large-scale project, projects. So each pillar under House of Social Enterprise has talent that complements each other. Uh, so the main strengths are, are holistically combined to offer that one-stop solution. We're focused on innovative group projects, such as the development of film and cinema, as we talked about earlier in the, in the Middle East, as well as eco-resort and concept development in Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Jordan, Oman, and, and really the region. Our hub of expertise varies from legal representation to infrastructure, water management, as well as architecture design. Uh, and even specialists who, who, who are greening the desert. So that's really exciting. Amazing and then, work. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic to see that and to be working with, with all these wonderful experts. And then those areas morph into entertainment, literary and film agencies, as well as music industry. And that's all supported by talent discovery and development, uh, which is your pillar within the hospitality, leisure and entertainment, which is CWR Talent. And we're so, so delighted you are part of this uh, partnership. Oh, we're all just honored to have been asked to join the House of Social Enterprise for this socially conscious hub of businesses who all want to do good while doing business. What do you say is the log line for House of Social Enterprise, BV? Uplifting businesses to become market relevant and resilient for good. Fantastic. And thank you, Helen, for taking the time out of your travels to catch up with our listeners and pass it on. You're doing some amazing things these days, and we're all going to keep watching. And I'm going to get you back for these to talk about your role as an author. Please say you'll come back. Oh, I'd love to. Well, my books are complete and I've got great stories to tell. And, and if you like to listen, then, you know, I'd love to share. So thank you so oh, you much. Thank I you, Corinne. <laughs> Thank you. Helen, thank you. Well, that's all the time we have today, ladies and jelly beans. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode of Pass It On with CWR Talent. If you'd like to reach out to our guests, please let us know and we'll pass it on. Please give us a follow and a like, and please, please share this with your networks across your social media platforms to reach more aspiring leaders. We appreciate your support. And also, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Nancy Sharp from the Cider House Studio, who provides our artwork for our pages. Thank you, Nancy. Nancy makes art that makes people happy. I know it does me. Thank you. See you soon.